Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Pod for up-to-date info on the show. No rules, no texts, no whistles. This is No Referees Podcast. Welcome back to No Referees Podcast. I'm your host, Eversaka Joby, with another quarantine edition of our podcast. You can find us on our social media pages at No Referees Pod and on our new YouTube channel, No Referees Podcast. We're joined today with a special, special guest, 2014 SoCon Coach of the Year. He has a winning percentage of dang near 70%. He literally embodies the run force run mentality. You can find him on his team social media pages at LSU Basketball. Because, look, if you go to his personal Twitter page, you'll be waiting until the next BC before he tweets. <laughs> we are joined today by our friend of the show, Coach Will Wade. What up, brother? How we doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, good, man. So, hey, Coach, you've been running for five years straight, a mile every day. What kind of shoes you wear when you be running? Well, I uh... – I've gone through a bunch of different pair of shoes. I ran two and a half this morning earlier. Um, <laughs> sometimes I wear, uh, depending on like the season, sometimes I just wear like normal Nike running shoes. Sometimes I wear these specialty running shoes called Hoka's. Uh, they're like, you can't, um, they're really, really comfortable. I feel like you're running on air. Uh, I have a, I've had a couple pair of those, but you can only, those are like for avid runners. I'm not like some, I mean, I run every day, but I'm not like some marathon runner or anything like that. And, the Hoka's are for, you know, uh, like marathon runners, that sort of thing. There's only so many. I think you can use them for like five or 600 uh, miles, and then you got to trade them out and that sort of stuff. So I've gone through two or three pair of those. And a lot of times I just wear basic Nike cross trainers or basic running, uh, running shoes. Now, when I run longer on the weekends, I try to wear the Hoka's. If I'm going to run, you know, six to eight miles or whatever it may be on a Saturday or Sunday, I'll, run, I'll, I'll wear those to try to uh try to be a little bit better but it uh you know one of those things just kind of taken off I started when I was a head coach at Chattanooga on uh on, on a January 1st I ran across I lived at a walking bridge I ran across the walking bridge and had a little had a little mile and a half loop and started with that on January 1st and um I'm a stubborn guy so when I say I, t- I said when I started I was gonna do it for 10 years and uh my partner in the running streak, who you know, he he wussed out on me after about three and a half years. He was gone. He got all his injuries <laughs> and all this other stuff. We don't mention no names, but he's a certain coach at a A10 school. Yeah, he 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 he's out. He's out. And so, you know, I'm 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 stubborn and uh, I like to prove myself right. So I'm gonna at least keep this going for ten years. So I've got got another, you know, little little under five years uh left to uh left to go in this thing. So how how's the running streak been going with the new baby that you have? Like you had to get up at three o'clock in the morning and go run it, or like how's that work? No, it's, it's been good. It's been good. You know, the hardest days are, um, you know, a few times a year I travel overseas, or in the past I've traveled overseas. I haven't been traveling much overseas. I've, I've uh, I used to go over and do some FIBA clinics overseas, and so uh, those are really really tough days because when you land, it's morning over there, and you've got to just when you land, you go straight into running. I've taken, I've been overseas a couple times on foreign tours with our team. I've been overseas for recruiting a couple times. And 
those are by far the toughest days because you run back in the States, you get on a plane, you fly, you know, 10, 12 hours, however long it may be. And then you got to get off the plane. It's morning where you are, you know, it's usually nine, 10 in the morning where you are and you got to go right into, right into running and your body's just all, all messed up. But um, those are typically the, uh, those are typically the toughest days. And some days around recruiting, you know, I get up really early in the morning anyway, so it doesn't really, doesn't really, uh, doesn't really bother me, but it takes, uh, takes dedication. Our friend who you're talking about in the A-10, he likes to run at night. I try to knock mine out first thing in the morning. I can't, <laughs> I, my, once my day gets going, I, I can't, uh, I can't uh, keep it, uh, I, I'd forget at night or I, I get too, too caught up in stuff at night. So I try to knock my stuff out first thing in the morning. Yeah, friend, uh, we're talking about head coach Jamie and Christian. If you see this, brother, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach, it's the coronavirus situation now has had a lot of people at home uh, reflecting, having a lot of family time. You know, but a lot of people are talking about binge watching. You know, what you've been watching these days that you've been at home? Well, I haven't uh, – I'm not much into TV. I don't watch much TV, but I did <laughs> – I watched the Tiger King. I watched all seven episodes of that. Then I watched the eighth episode where they interviewed the people at the end. So I got, I got into uh, Tiger King. I just found it just wildly fascinating. I don't know why. Maybe but, because you're like a two-time Tiger King. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I watched it. Uh, I watched it like all in one day. I watched it on a Sunday. I just started and watched it all in one day. And then I've watched uh, – I had never even heard of Ozarks before all this started. That shows you how out of touch I am with everything that's going on. But I watched all three seasons – I've watched all three seasons of Ozarks uh, since, we've, uh, since, we've, uh, since we've started this. And then I watched uh, The Pharmacist. That was shorter. It was like four. Um, that was actually pretty cool because the guy was here in, uh, here in Louisiana. He was outside New Orleans in, in St. Bernard Parish, uh, just south of New Orleans uh, by Chalmette. Um, and so – um, you know, I was at least familiar with the geography and, and things a little bit more in the pharmacist. But I've watched all I've watched all three of those. The Tiger King was certainly, I guess, it took the country by storm. And then, right, right, right. Um, the Ozarks was was cool, and uh, you know, it was always sus- suspenseful ending, and it was just 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 crazy. And then the pharmacist was 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 uh, was good. So I've, I've tried to I've tried to uh, balance out my binge watching and my reading. Uh, but like you said, you're cooped up at home. You got you got to do you got to do something during the day. And uh, a lot of times, I'd watch them. You know, start at six or seven at night and just watch it till one or two in the morning. But uh, I'm not sure how much I got out of any of the shows. But it was was they were fun to watch. I got one for you, Coach. You got to catch Money Heist. That's what I'm watching right now. That's fire. Oh, I tell you what else I watched. I did watch the McMillions about how the people uh, scam the. Uh, uh, the the Monopoly game at McDonald's. Uh, I did I did watch uh, I watched the McMillions too. So I've watched four of them. I, I you forget you've been in quarantine for so long. You forget everything that you that you've done. So Money Heist. I have to put that on the I have to put that on the on the list here. Came out um, in 2017. It's a Spanish based um, show, but they redubbed it with English um, English actors. So I'm just getting caught up on it. I mean, right now, I mean, that's the Tiger King and Ozark is the top shows on Netflix. So um, you got four seasons, about 10, 11, 12 per season. So, you know, you got plenty of time to catch up on that. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do then. Yeah. So, Coach, switching gears, is, you know, you guys were on a really hot trajectory going into the SEC tournament. 
and this whole coronavirus thing came down while you guys were in Nashville before you got a chance even to play. So what was the first things you did as an organization to take steps to make sure the players and staff were safe? And, you know, what have y'all been doing since? Well, it was, it was, it was crazy. You know, we, we, we were one of the last teams to get to Nashville because we didn't play till Friday night at like eight thirty at night, eight at night. We were like, we were one of the last teams to get there. So, um, it was funny because our band and cheerleaders were supposed to bust the next day and they called and told our, our, I think our band and Kentucky's band and cheerleaders were the only two that weren't there. We had flown up and the band and cheerleaders were going to bust up the next morning and they stopped and told them not to come. But, um, you know, it was, it was odd. I knew Wednesday night, I had a pretty good idea Wednesday night when uh, I was at the game scouting Arkansas and Vanderbilt because the winner of that played South Carolina and then we played the winner of that game. Arkansas ended up beating Vanderbilt. We played the winner of Arkansas and South Carolina. And uh, I told my assistant when the NBA canceled that night, I said, We're, there's no way. I said, they may play some of the games on Thursday, but I said, there's absolutely no way we're getting until Friday night at 8. We're not going to play. And so we kind of had my ops guy call our charter company and say, hey, let's see what we can figure out about the, about the, uh, about the plane. And, you know, we use the same charter company as two or three other, um, two or three other teams in our league. Memphis uses the same charter company we use. So, you know, we had to kind of get in line. We knew there was going to be a bunch of people trying to get back. So I wanted to try to get our guys back to, to campus and back to LSU as safely as possible and as quickly as possible. So as it turned out, we ended up getting a, plane that brought the Nashville Predators back to Nashville from Canada and then um, we ended up having to wait and I had to explain to our guys we had you know we had a bunch of people with we had two busloads full of people with us because we were going to the tournament we had to wait like an hour for them to disinfect the plane and uh, because uh, a couple the game before the Predators were playing uh, whatever the hockey team is there in Toronto uh, the Maple Leafs I think is what it is they were playing the Maple Leafs, but a couple games before the Jazz had been there to play the uh, the Raptors, and so they were all worried about everything that you know the locker rooms and everything. So we had that was our first little test of everything. We had them, you know, we had to make sure the plane was disinfected. They wiped down every seat. They, you know, we gave us stuff as we got on the plane. So we made sure everything was disinfected. We flew back, and then we, uh, you know, I talked to the team on the bus and basically some of them went home some of them stayed here a lot of them actually come back here just because this is a the best place for them to quarantine in the apartments on campus and uh, our athletic dining hall uh, that facility's uh, still open they've got access to everything that they that they need here in terms of mental health and mental mental welfare so it's been you know it's it's, it's been challenging especially with the academic side of things Making sure our guys are keeping doing, uh, keep up with their classwork, keep doing what they need to do academically. But um, you know, we our, our guys have, have responded to it pretty well, and uh, it's just a new normal. You know, you're on your phone a lot, talking to guys, FaceTiming, doing Zoom calls uh, all the time. It's just a just a new normal. But um, you know, certainly a disappointing way to to end the season. But uh, you totally understand, and and obviously now the. Uh, you know, the decision was 100% the right one. I thought it was at the time. Commissioner Sankey actually called all the head coaches and apologized and said, no, you made – I mean, you made 100% the, the right decision uh, to, to, uh, to, to do this. And, um, you know, I think, um, I think none of us when we left Nashville could have imagined it would still be going on like it is now. But it sounds like we're getting closer and things are getting better and hopefully we can start opening, uh, opening back up here soon.
Yeah, I read some things the other day um, that um, my emails that the NCAA is going to start allowing coaches to have more engagement during this time. I know there were a lot of restrictions initially. Um, what kind of things are you and your staff doing to stay uh, engaged with your players in this time? Yeah, you know, we've really spent a lot of all of our time focusing on making sure the academic stuff is right. You know, we had a long year. Um, we went to Spain. <laughs> I was talking about going overseas. We went on a 10-day trip to Spain with our team, one of those foreign tours you could take once every four years. So we had 10 extra days of practice in July and August. For 10 days, we went to Spain in August. So it was a it was a uh, it was a long season for us. You know, we went right from Spain right into we got back. They went home for two or three days, then we went right into right into our season. So we haven't really done any virtual basketball stuff with them or anything like that. We, 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 we sent them a, uh, our strength and conditioning coach sends them a, a plan every week and it's, it's different every week. You know, Hey, look, here's the strength and conditioning plan, stay in shape, keep, you know, do what you need to do with everything that they have at home. Some of our guys, you know, we've been able to ship them some bands and some foam roll, you know, stuff like that. So we've been able to, uh, we've been able to, to, to get them some of the stuff that they need. Uh, to train at, at at home, and for a lot of our guys who are here, they go to. We have a levee that's on the backside of our campus that keeps the Mississippi River from <laughs> from rolling onto campus when it floods. And so we have a huge levee, and you can run on top of the levee, and you can do hill sprints up and down the levee. Um, so a lot of our guys who are here go to the levee every day and either ride bikes up and down the levee. I mean, you can go. You know, it's eight to ten miles paved on top of the levee, all the way from downtown to, to one of our casinos, LaBerge, which is shut down. But, um, you know, they're, they're, our guys can go work out on the levee and do different things there. And, and, and uh, the ones who are at home certainly have access to do things. So we've just tried to focus more on the academic side and the, and the staying in shape. And then uh, if we do that, if they stay in shape and keep their academics right, whenever we're able to get back with them, uh, this sum this summer or during the uh, you know or during the um, uh, during the fall whenever that may be if they're in shape and that sort of thing then we'll get back to worrying about the basketball stuff now certainly some of our guys are doing basketball stuff on their own but we haven't we haven't uh, put a lot of our time into doing a lot of the basketball stuff yet stick with the players I know a lot of time you've been putting in and recruiting you know, just want to say congratulations. You know, National Signing, Signing Day just came and went, and you had a huge announcement with uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, recruiting class in your head coaching history. Just want to talk about just those guys coming on campus, how excited you are about those guys coming aboard to to time to boot up. That's right. No, we're, we're, we're excited. We feel like we've got a good group. We need to address some – some major needs. We needed to replace some scoring, which we did with Cam Thomas. We need to. I heard you need a big man too. Hey, I got you, coach. <laughs> yeah, we still need a big. We got, we got one big, and we still need. You know, we need. You know, it's like Noah's Ark. You need two of everything. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we uh, we're still uh, we're still working uh, still working on that. But uh, no, I feel I feel really good about uh, about the class. We addressed our need. We need some depth at point guard, and we addressed that with with uh, Jalen Cook and and Eric Gaines. Obviously, we signed Shaquille O'Neal's son, who's uh, one of the best players, uh, if not the best player in our in our program's history. And so um, to have have him on board, and we have a wing from from Las Vegas, Imwani Wilkinson, who's a phenomenal player. He's only 17 years old. He's going to be great for us. And then big kid Bradley is Wiro. And so we, you know, we feel like we've, we, uh, we got a transfer from Georgetown, uh, who was one of the best freshmen in the big East, Josh LeBlanc. 
So we feel like we've addressed a lot of our needs and, and, you know, we had a pretty good season this season, but we just, we, we had some shortcomings as a team. We weren't as deep as we need to be. We weren't as uh, efficient as we need to be. And we weren't as big as we need to be. I mean, you've got to have rim protection. You got to have, you got to have big bodies if you're going to win at a, uh, if you're going to win at a high level. So I think we've addressed a lot of our needs with the, with the recruiting class. And I, I feel very good. We're going to have some experienced uh, returners, coming back anytime you can you can mix some experienced returners with some very very talented uh, freshmen and very very talented newcomers I think gives you a chance to have a, a very very good team which which we'll uh, which we'll certainly have next year yeah and coach I uh, saw your recruiting recruiting list the other day and I was like man this guy gives you a top guy top guy top guy coach y'all y'all over there doing it right over there y'all over there getting them boys uh in there like swimwear well we're we're trying we're trying it's uh you know a lot of the kids have a connection to Louisiana like the kid in Las Vegas his dad's family is from Louisiana you know there's all there's usually some sort of uh, connection to Louisiana, connection to our state uh, that allows us to draw some of these kids in from 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 all over the place. One of the most, or probably the most uh, uh, no- noticeable recruit you got is Sharif O'Neal, uh, LSU legend, Shaquille O'Neal's son. You know, what was that process like, just speaking to him, speaking to his parents? You know, I know he had a situation, his heart condition. Uh, yeah. You know, what was well, this shows you this shows you how dumb I am. So, uh, you know, I I would uh, say I talked to Shaq, and I, I talked to Shaq since I got the job, and we talk every you know once a month, maybe once every six weeks, and um, you know, so uh, we were in contact with him, and he was excited and wanted wanted Sharif to come to LSU, but the mom Shawnee, you know, I I just made contact with her when she with when um when Sharif went in the transfer portal. So Shaq was doing something the weekend of the visit, so he couldn't come on the visit. So it was Shawnee and, and Sharif's sister and, and Sharif. And so we're walking around. Quesos are how just oblivious I am to everything. Uh, we're walking around campus, and everybody's stopping to take pictures with, with Shawnee. And I, I look at my assistant, and I said, how does everybody know who she is? They're like, Coach, she's the star of basketball wives. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no clue. I had no clue. I was like, how does everybody know she's like Shaquille O'Neal's wife? Like, I was like, how does everybody know this? How does everybody know who she is? And my sister's like, coach, she's, she's as famous as Shaq. She's the star of the show basketball wise. I'm like, oh, I had no clue. I had no idea. Like, everybody's trying try to take pictures with her and all this stuff. And so it was, it, it was, uh, it was wild. I was clueless to, to, to that. But, uh, you know, Sharif, he's a great kid and his, you know, his, at UCLA, he was waiting to get his heart back, uh, you know, his heart back to 100%. And I talked to him the other day, and he feels like he's finally got it got it back right and got it back where he feels comfortable, where he can push himself. You know, that's hard to get over as much as it is physically, as you know, as mentally. You know, getting over the – getting over the uh, – you know, the, the, the heart issue mentally can, can be really, really tough. So, we feel like he's going to be a good player. He's a great offensive rebounder. He can stretch the court. He's not like Shaq as a player. He's not like a back-to-the-basket post guy. He's more of a perimeter base, make shots, go to the offensive class type guy. But uh, we're, we're, uh, we're excited about uh, excited about having him. Well, Coach, I want to stay, stay right there when like, speaking about parents and recruiting. So you're a guy from the South. you like me. I'm from Texas. You're from Tennessee. So you know about good food, good, good home-cooked meals. 
Well, so when you roll up in your Ford Fusion or whatever it is you renting that day, and you roll to the parents' house, sit down, talk to the parents, they got this smorgasbord out there of food. What do you like and what's some of the most unique meals you don't got on a true visit, in-home visit? Well, when when you're going on those home visits, you eat whatever the heck they have there for you. (laughs) And you act like it's good. Whether you like it or not, you say it's your favorite food. Uh, You know, sometimes you go in there and it's just, I'll tell you this. So I had, we, I was at Harvard. I was assistant for Tommy Amaker at Harvard. And uh, we went to do a home visit and I was the assistant and the kid was a really good player. He ended up going to a power five school. He's a big old center. He's from, he's from the middle of nowhere. And we went in there and it was one of those deals where the whole school K through 12 was all in one building. That's how, that's how like crazy this was. I mean, I personally, I like fried food, you know, anything fried I'm going to eat or barbecue or anything (laughs) like that. But, but so we go in there. We go in there, and I didn't even know this was a thing, but, like, there's such thing as Harvard Beets. And so, like, they thought they had done this great thing and prepared these Harvard Beets for us to come up there for this home visit. And, I mean, they were the worst things I've ever had. And then they, you know, of course, (laughs) nobody wanted to eat them. Nobody wanted to eat them. And so, you know, Coach Amaker didn't want to eat them either. So, like, they're poor. Like, oh, they got extras, and you got to eat two two spoonfuls of it was it was awful it was awful i didn't know harvard beats were thing you guys sit there and just eat them and it was just oh it's oh it's the worst but most of the time the food you know uh, i went we had one in texas a couple years ago the dad grilled out on the grill it was it was phenomenal the food was the food was phenomenal uh we had one in, i've had one you know but most nine times out of ten the food's great like they, they, they cook up a great meal and it's it's usually what the it's usually the kids' favorite meal. So it's usually got like macaroni and cheese, which I love, and and you know some sort of uh, you know barbecue chicken breast or ribs or, or or some you know something something really good. So, um, but yeah, every once in a while you run into stuff where they try to they try to they try to pull one on you and think they're doing something great, and they go off the grid, and you just have to eat just terrible terrible food. We always, I tell you one thing, we always, when we bring them on the visits, we always take them somewhere, you know, because we got fried alligator down here. So we always get the kids to eat the, the fried alligator. We tell them, hey, look, even if you don't come to LSU, you can at least say you ate alligator. We always try to get everybody to eat a little fried alligator when they're down here on our visit. Hey, I remember the first time I had fried alligator, I went to Papa Do's and I went with my oh, yeah. Son, she told me it tastes like chicken. I'm thinking they're going to bring out this little alligator with scales on it. It come out like little chicken, took, chicken tender. Yeah, it looked like little popcorn shrimp. Look like a little popcorn shrimp, but it's good. It's not bad. You put the little dipping sauce in. It's not bad. It's not bad. They they come around to it. <laughs> one of my uh, family friends from Bad Baton Rouge, and I went. I've only been there one time. And I remember he took me to this little market out there where you walk in and you like get to pick out the catfish, and they like scoop it up and like and like you flop on the ground oh, yeah. and they like skin it, be vain and cook it for you right there. That's it. Tony's Seafood. It's still there. It's like a market and grocery store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, good. That, that, that's oh, real that good. <laughs> real good. You can't get in there right now, but it's, it's, it's real good. You go through the line there, and half of it's a fresh seafood market, and half of it's a grocery store. Yeah, Tony's Seafood, that's a good spot. Good spot. Yeah, yeah, I remember you know coming up in Texas, I'd never seen them like that. I was like, man, they, 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 they cook it for you. They skin it, do everything right oh, there. <laughs> different down here now. They'll do anything you need down here now. 
to make sure that athletes had access to a, to a shooting machine that they could take anywhere. So I came up with the concept to fold it into a duffel bag. I ended up prototyping with my friend Xavier, welding our first prototypes in the garage. I made it for myself. I also made it for the millions of other athletes out there that are trying to reach their dreams and uh, trying to make it out. Coach, switching over to basketball, tell me about, or just talk to our fans just about, you know, what style of play that you have. You know, you've come up through different coaches, you, like Tommy Amaker, you mentioned Shaka Smart. All these guys have some different type of offense. You know what? I, I've watched your I've watched your team play. You know, y'all really get up and down. Y'all score the ball quick. Y'all almost got like that uh, running gun. You know, we gonna hoop hoop or die mentality out there. So, you know, what's kind of your trademark and what kind of your thing that you set the tone in when you you're sitting down going over a coaching plan with your team and scouting and things like that? Well, we're we've been much more we're much more offensive oriented than we are defense. We had the third best offense in the country this past year and averaged. 80-some-odd points a game, mid-80s a game. So we spend a lot of time on offense. That's kind of where my eye goes. And whether it's, you know, we're not – we don't have – you know, we're not into running a ton of plays. It's more about spacing and playing off the spacing and then getting on the offensive class. That's where we've always been uh, really, really good. And so we, we we spend the vast majority of our time working on offensive skill development and offense and that sort of thing. Now, we've got a – you know, we've been a very good team and a very good program. But to take that next step, we, we've got to get a lot better defensively. You know, we had – our defense was like 179th in the country and our offense was third. And so that was – you know, we lost we lost three games this year where we scored 90 or more points. That's hard to do when you score 90 and, and get beat. And so we lost three games where we scored 90 or more points. And so we, we've got to – become we've got to become better defensively I'm not saying we've got to become great defensively but we've got to be we've got to be markedly uh, markedly improved markedly better and, and get into the top 75 top 50 defensively and so that's something that we're, we're spending a lot of time on working this offseason but we, we don't want to do it at the expense of our offense we want to keep our offense top five in the country and you know really offenses we, we've got great players uh, we give them space. We play with a little bit of pace, and we give them confidence to to shoot it and and do what they need to do. So there, there you know, there's there's not um, not a lot of tricks to it outside of have good players and give them give give them give them room to operate. But defensively is an area where we've we've certainly got to uh, got to improve and 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 got to get better. And, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna attempt to do that, but not do it at the expense of our offense. You got to make sure you're out there. Running, running and gunning, and uh, getting that ball out quick and scoring, putting a lot of pressure on the other opposing team's defense. Yep, that's what we like to do. We try to, we try to win the sprints those first four seconds. We want to win the sprints those first four seconds and get down the court and and uh, and get to our uh, and get to our spots and and have the defense scrambling from the beginning. Have the defense playing on their heels and scrambling from the beginning. If we can do that, we're we're in pretty good shape. What's your off-season conditioning program looking like, or do you do any conditioning built into practice? To make yeah, sure we do a lot of conditioning built into practice. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not the smartest cat when it comes to all that. So I've got a great strength and conditioning coach, Greg Golden. He's been with me the whole time. So I've been a head coach at Tennessee Chattanooga, VCU, and obviously now at LSU. And he's been with me ever. He's been with me some years, and um, 
you know, our guys are in shape, our guys are strong, our guys are, are, are ready to roll. And so he, he pretty much does all that. He gives me the data and shows me the spreadsheets and shows me what he wants to do. And I say, yeah, let's go with it. And so I don't, I'm one of those guys, man, I, you know, I, I know where my strengths are. I know what areas I'm good at. And I know what areas I know absolutely nothing about. And strength and conditioning is one area that I know very, very little about. And so I have my own expert on staff and I, and, and he, he kind of handles, uh, he handles everything, uh, everything for us from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And I let him, I let him roll with it, but uh, you know, we're always in tip top shape and our guys are ready to go when, when practice starts and it's a gradual build to the game. And then, you know, during the season, he keeps me in check with practice. Like, Hey, you practice too long this day. we got to practice here. And since he's been with me for so long, he knows all our drills. He knows what we do. He'll say, Hey, look, you need to choose your drills from this area today. You can't be going more than an hour and 15 minutes. And our guys were heart rate monitors. And so he'll come over and tell me, Hey, look, this guy's got to burn in a little hot, put this guy, you know, so we try to, we try to manage everything, uh, manage everything that way. But really when it comes to our strength and conditioning and all that, I'm at his mercy and I let him, I let him do it because he's phenomenal at what he does. I think he's one of the best in the country. And I just, I let him, I let him do his thing and I stay out of the way. That's great, Coach. You know, and me as a strength coach in college and a strength coach in the pros, you know, that's the one thing I love to hear from a coach. You know, I just want to stay out the way because, you know, sometimes coaches will come in the weight room or come get in the way and just, you know, kids get distracted real easy. He'd been with me seven years, and I, I go around there tinker in a weight room, and uh, he calls them RDLs. I'm sure that you know what that is, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we do RDLs. That's like a staple of our weightlifting. I had no idea it meant Romanian deadlift until like six years into six years <laughs> into working with him. I finally said, "What? What the hell is an RDL? Can you tell me what an RDL?" He's like, "Coach, it's Romanian deadlift, where they're coming up the leg, all that stuff." You know, I kept hearing that's like a staple of what we do. That shows you how clueless I am on what we we got going on over here. but I'm like I keep hearing RDLs we do RDLs every workout or every third day I'm in the you know I'll go over in the weight room watch what they're doing I can tell whether you're going hard or, you know stuff like that I don't know the, 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 the whether you're making the movements right and stuff but it, yeah, it took me six years to figure out what an RDL is that shows you how how ignorant I am when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the weight room but I do like telling everybody I know it's a Romanian deadlift now. <laughs> makes, makes, makes me feel better <laughs> that's all right coach because hey look us strength coaches sometimes we don't know what zipper screens are flare screens things of that nature so you know we just know it's a screen that's right so coach i want to go back to this you know you mentioned vcu you mentioned um ut chat you mentioned tommy amaker harvard so i want to ask a question based upon different programs you know you've come from those programs and uh vcu would be considered as a mid-major type program school-wise, but a high-major basketball program. Now, coming to LSU, which is considered high-major program, you know, those two programs are considered high-major. What would be the big difference that you would see as far as talking to recruits, getting recruits there, when both programs have, you know, charter planes, you know, big Nike contracts, private uh, practice facilities, things like that? What would be the big difference you see in those two programs? Yeah, the difference is simple. It's the SEC. I mean, you know, Every kid wants to play in the SEC. Every kid wants to play at this level. You know, that's the toughest, that's the toughest part about, you know, being in the being in the Atlantic 10. Just look at what's happened. You know, Rhode Island, who we played this year, is a phenomenal team. And they lost a kid to Kentucky who played, you know, I think he averaged five, six points a game for them. You know, it's topping the kid at Dayton's brother. But 
um, you know, they lose a kid to Kentucky. And so it's just the league. I mean, it's the SEC and, and every game's on, you know, uh, national TV where a lot of the, the A-10 games are as well, but it's just, it's just a different, just different level. And so, you know, that's what, as a competitor, I understand it as a competitor, as a coach, that's what I want to be a part of. And we've got phenomenal, phenomenal coaches in this league. I mean, the, the coaching town in the SEC is just, it's just absurd. And so we've got, we've got unbelievable coaches in this league and you know as a coach you want to compete against those guys and as a player we've got the best athletes and some of the best players uh in the entire country and the NBA draft bears that out year after year and so as a player I just think a lot of guys want to compete and uh compete in this league so there's no doubt that's you know like you said the shoes and the facilities and the planes and a lot of that stuff all that stuff's just about the same it all comes down to competing in the SEC and the stage that you're uh, in the stage that you're on. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, uh, kids, they want all that kind of stuff and they want to play for the, the coach and they want, you know, but kids, you know, these days they want Jays, they want KDs, they want, you know, that uh, Chick-fil-A walking onto the play, you know, kids want, you know, a little bit more these days. Oh yeah. They, they, <laughs> they want it all. That's for sure. One more thing you mentioned about just a few stops you had, you know, we mentioned our buddy, Jamie and Christian, both of you guys came from the Shocker Smart coaching tree. Um, uh, I pay attention to a lot being from Texas of the Big 12 and, you know, at, at Texas, what Coach Smart does over there. Um, he's had to kind of change the way he does things over there with the way that he had it at VCU. And so I just wanted to ask you a question in regards to Coach Smart. How do you think that his style of play has changed over the years just being at Texas? I think it's changed. I think it's changed a little bit. I think he's, you know, you always got to play to your personnel. And so, you know, like, you know, you look at most of us who worked at VCU, it's not like any of us really press that much anymore. I don't press that much anymore, but you know, the reason I don't press isn't because I don't like it. Jamie and press is the most of any of us, but reality is the reason we were able to get a, reason we were able to do that at VCU is we had Briante Weber. Like, we had the best guy in the country at stealing the ball. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt a senior year, he shatters the NCAA steals record. And so when you have somebody like that who can just pick somebody's pocket, I mean, it makes sense to press. And, and so, you know, it's a, lot more, it's, it's, it, it's a lot different when, you know, when you're at this level and your guards can't pick their pocket and they're not as quick and the, and the guards that you're going against are going to blow by him and then – you got a lottery pick at center in the back, and so do you want to expose him to foul trouble at the back end of your press because your guards can't pick his pocket or contain the ball like Briante can? So it's a lot of it's just risk reward and give and take. And I think he's done a great job. We played him this past year, and you know he pressed after free throws and did it after did it in certain situations. But I think he's done a great job of uh, adjusting to his personnel and and uh, doing what he needs to do to give, him, give himself the opportunity to win, win games at Texas. They were going to go to the NCAA tournament this past year if things didn't, get, things didn't, things didn't go, uh, go left on us here. And, and you know, he's going to have a really, really good team, probably his best team next year, and they'll be, uh, they'll be excellent again. Yeah, um, I love Coach Smart. I just love the way he handles himself, mostly in the media. You know, I'm a basketball strength coach, but, you know, as far as the X and O's, I don't know what, you know – like I said, I don't know if y'all doing some pitch ahead or some role replaces or get the pitch post. You know, I don't know what all that is. I just know, you know, coaches know how to coach. It's always seem like he's just out there. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
No, he's really good, and he's great with the players. The players love him. He does a great job spending time with them and building relationships and that sort of thing. So he's he's uh, he's tremendous with those guys. Myself, I started off as a volunteer intern, worked my way to intern, GA assistant, then director. You have sort of a similar path. You know, we're both the same age, both from the South. We, we know what it's like to grind. You know, you came up through the ranks. You know, if most people don't know that, you know, you started from the bottom as a student manager, worked your way all the way up. You know, what kind of advice would you give to guys like us, uh, guys that's in, guys that want to become a head coach, want to become the top of their at, at best of their craft? You know, what would you say to people to give them advice on how to get there? Well, the number one thing is, you know, you know, I was very fortunate. I got lucky a lot. I, you know, I worked for guys who promoted from within. So that's what I believe in my program. Almost everything I do in my program, we promote from within or somebody that I've worked with at another place, something like that. But, you know, I always, the number one thing is you got to do the best job you can where you are. Make yourself irreplaceable where you are. The reason I got my first job at Clemson when I was, a, after I was a manager there is because coach Purnell knew I could run his camps for him. And, you know, coaches like camps and they like the money that they make from camps. And so he felt like I could run his camps for him because I'd run the camps or been very active in the camps as a student manager. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that was what, initially got my foot in the door just because I was able to you know run some basketball camps which is a stupid skill to have really but um you know you, you've got to be you've got to have something that wherever you are they think you're irreplaceable or or you or they can't lose you and then when that happens you know they'll either keep you on there which happened in my case or you know one of the assistants will recommend you to one of their friends who gets a head job somewhere else um and and that's what happened how I got connected to, to, to coach Amaker but uh, really just do the best job you are where you are and learn as much as you can. Like if I was doing it today, I'd know everything about video, about graphics and making graphics for kids and, and analytics. I'd be focused on those three areas. I'd be the best in the country at video graphics and analytics. Cause I think those are areas that most staffs are looking for people and, and, and don't have a lot of people who are um, knowledgeable in those areas. Yeah, you know, all the kids these days, they, you know, they want to be on the gram. They want to be on Snapchat. They want to be on Twitter. They want to see their graphics. You know, when the kids come on campus, they take the pictures. They want to do the photo shoot and all that good stuff. No doubt. And the, the more, the better you are as a manager or administrative person and that stuff, the more marketable you are and, and, and the, the better people are going to look at you. All right, Coach, in the court of no referees, you cannot plead the fifth. Like I mentioned to you earlier, you're a Clemson guy, which is Clemson Tigers. That's right. You're an LSU guy now. Yep. LSU Tigers. Yep. So w this past year, we had the National Football Championship. That's right. LSU versus Clemson. This is a two-part question. Number one, which program is the real Death Valley? <laughs> and, and second part of the question, who are you rooting for? I was rooting for LSU, and LSU is the original and real Death Valley as well. But I was definitely I'm, – I'm LSU through and through now. I've been down here um, three years, going on my fourth. I love it down here. Coach Ogeron is awesome. He helps us in recruiting. He's, he's wide open. When we want kids to go over to a football facility or meet him or meet anybody on his staff, he's been just unbelievable. He's helped us so much in recruiting and – you know, it's great for our state. It's great for the state of Louisiana when our football team's good. It's great for our team when our football team's good. And so 
we actually we traveled. We were playing at Texas A&M the next day after the after the national championship game, and so we traveled to A&M early so we could get there in time to uh, to, to watch the national championship game. And uh, our guys were uh, our guys were fired up. It was a, it was a cool night. For me, being a former coach at the Memphis Tigers, it's like, <laughs> who, who, what Tiger fan do I root for here? <laughs> That's right. That was a good game. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. Again, we got an encore presentation with Coach Will Way. He's back. He had to run earlier, literally had to get on the pavement and run. He came back to join us again, as you see, he went from sun, sunlight to dark outside. So he came back again to join us for an encore presentation. Just to touch on a few quick points that we uh, didn't get a chance to earlier because he had to run. So, Coach, I wanted to ask you just about um, there are the, today's 2020. There's a lot of big things going on, a lot of topic on sports psychology, mental health. Earlier you mentioned in our uh, first part of our episode that you guys like to get out and run, win the sprints. Y'all do heavy conditioning, and y'all just want to be a, a team that goes up and down the floor. You know, what do you do in practice and your preparation to keep your team mentally sharp and they're always focused on, you know, the task at hand? Uh, you know, we do a lot with with mindfulness. Greg Graber does a tremendous job with our guys. You know, we, we spend a lot of time working on meditation. I do a lot of the 517 uh, breathing techniques and different breathing techniques that are that are beneficial. And so, you know, he works not only with our guys on the mindfulness, but on um, visualization and how to visualize before the game and how to control your thoughts and, and make sure you're controlling your thinking and your thoughts are controlling you. So, uh, we do a lot of that stuff. Our, it's a good skill for our guys to have now, and it's a good skill for our guys uh, to take with them in life as well. So uh, it's something we invest a lot of time into. It's a priority in our program. And, and Coach Graber, and Greg Graber, he does a real good job for us. Yeah, I, uh, a, lot, a lot of programs are transitioning more to having a specialist in the mindfulness and the sports psychology, mental health approach because it's such a big topic among not only collegiate athletes because they have class, they have – uh, so many things to juggle, but also professional athletes as well. So I think it's real beneficial, and I'm glad that you guys are doing that. Yeah, it's been great for our guys, and it's something that, you know, our guys have uh, have really bought into, and I think it's helped our free throw percentage. I think it's helped a lot of different areas of our game, and I think it's something that's helped our guys in life. It's it's exposed them to something different and something new and exposed me. The first time I heard about us, I said, this is, this is crazy. There's no way in the world I'm going to get into all this. And now, uh, now I do it, so it's been helpful for me. It's been helpful for our players. It's been good for our program. All right, quick, Coach, before I get you out of here real quick, the No Referees podcast. We're no referees. We're no texts, no whistles, no rules. So I want to know the very first time you got your first technical foul and, and oh. your first time you got into it with a, with a coach, with a referee. Uh, as yeah, I think – I haven't gotten a lot of technicals, actually. The very first one, though. I wanted to. I know you the first one. The first one I think I got, I got when I was the head coach at Tennessee Chattanooga. It was late in my first year, and we played at uh, Eastern Kentucky. I think I got stuck at Eastern Kentucky. I think that was the first one I got. I've only gotten three or four in seven years. I don't think I've, I haven't really gotten that many. But do you remember what? Uh, do you remember what you said to that ref that first tech? Oh, we were. I don't know what I said, but I certainly deserved it. I probably. I probably uh, earned one a lot earlier minutes before he gave me the tech. <laughs> well, Coach, appreciate you joining us today on No Referees Podcast, taking some time out for us. Um, everyone, please go follow him on his team page at LSU Basketball. Because, again, Coach at, at W. Wade LSU, he ain't tweeting nothing no time soon. 
<laughs> we don't have time for that. We stay off at Twitter and we let it go from our program. I ain't got time for that. I probably hire. I probably need somebody to work on our Twitter account a little bit. But I'm all big believer. That's, this is one thing I do believe. If you got to tell everybody what you're doing, you really ain't doing that much. So I don't like putting all that stuff out there. If you got to tell everybody about everything you're doing and all that stuff, that means you're, you know, you're 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 not doing everything you say you're doing. So we try to be about what we say we're about. Put our head down and go to work. Well, I appreciate that too, Coach. Hey, I have a Twitter page that my kids set up for me nine years ago, uh, and I I think I tweeted maybe once or twice. So we in the same boat. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. Thank Thank you, Coach, and good luck this year. Thank you very much. All right, bye bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at No Referees Pod. Till the next episode, we out.